Militarily Speaking, Episode 45, Four Block. This episode, we talk with Michael Abrams, or Mike, as we're going to call him today, <laughs> founder and president of Four Block. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean, Jody Vickery. Almost like one full name, Tom McLean, Jody Vickery. I'm, yeah, like I'm Travis and Taylor. Oh no! Do we have to talk Swifty and the stuff trailer? again? All right. <laughs> do you, I guess you know all about that too, Mike. I, I don't know all about it. I, I, to, I am like that's right. You're you're stalking her I, on social media. I am, and I don't. I'm not even a fan necessarily. I think they were in New York this past week, and according to one of I've my seen all the followers, yeah, yeah, good for them. <laughs> The, the prediction is they're going to get married. Buy a house. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. see. Give it three years. I'm the regional military executive for Armed Forces Bank. Jody's the executive vice president and director of military consumer lending. And we are ready to go talking to Mike. Yeah, Looking again, forward to this. Yeah, definitely. Welcome to the show. We're excited to have our audience here listening and learning about our guest, Mike, with Four Block. Before we get started, I just want to share, Mike, a little bit with our audience about you. So this will all be new and not new information for you. We want to tell our audience that Michael joined the Marine Corps shortly after September 11, 2001 attacks and served on active duty for eight years. Thank you for your service, yeah. which included a Thank deployment you. to Afghanistan with an infantry company as the artillery forward observer. My husband was F.A. too, so yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. um, after leaving active duty, Michael attended New York University's Stern School of Business, graduating with an MBA in finance with a specialization in entrepreneurship and innovation. While attending business school, he founded the Four Block Foundation to help bridge the gap between returning service members and the business community. Under his leadership, Four Block has expanded to serve several thousand veterans in locations throughout the U.S. and overseas. Mike is currently serving as Four Block's president and executive director. He also served as the founding executive director for the Columbia University Center for Veteran Transition and Integration. Say that again. I can't. <laughs> I'm on a roll. Don't mess me up. Where you led a team that utilized innovative educational technologies to deliver best-in-class transition programming to veterans nationally. He's co-authored two books, Mission Critical, Unlocking the Value of Veterans in the Workforce, and two editions of a military transition guidebook titled Business Networking for Veterans. He's also currently serving in the Marine Corps Reserves as the Chief Information Officer for the Marine Innovation Unit. So he's got a lot of spare time with a couple of yeah, kids too. Busy right? guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So welcome, Mike. Yeah, we're all busy. We're we're yeah, all busy. So welcome, welcome. We're we're excited to have you here. It's an honor to have you on the show. Uh, I'd love to just have you give our audience sort of a big picture view of Four Block and and its mission as the starting place, and then I'm sure we'll pepper you with questions. Sure, sure. Well, first, it's an honor to be on. Thank you very much. I didn't know you were going to read the whole bio, but I appreciate it. And I know this was a long time coming, and. You know, we were talking before we started recording, you know, just appreciate your flexibility and working on dates and sure. getting on here and just life gets in the way. It's sometimes. worth, it's worth so, it too, uh, to have you here. So welcome. Definitely. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, with respect to four block, I mean, it was something that, you know, I was, I was transitioning myself coming out of the military. My last couple of years on active duty, I was in New York city as a recruiter. I was going to business school at night, you know, part-time. And I was taking a, a, a class where I had to come up with a business plan, you know, come up with an idea and I really just was focusing at that time of my transition and just, you know, I, I was encountering some challenges myself, you know, interviewing and just understanding what's out there and the opportunities and things. So I just thought to myself, you know, geez, if I was having this problem, what, you know, what about the corporals and sergeants who yeah. are getting out? 
And I was just, it was just top of mind. So when I was thinking about how I was going to write a business plan for something, I was just thinking about, well, let's try to do something in, in the veteran space and helping vets transition. And just in, in essence, came up with this idea of creating a more of a pipeline between the veteran community and, and the business world through a, basically a program, a class in essence, that would take veterans through sort of like a tour of, of corporations throughout the course of a semester. And the whole purpose of it was really to help them build professional relationships with people at these companies who were ultimately making the decisions whether to hire somebody or, or not hire somebody. So that's, you know, that's how the nuts and bolts of sort of four block got started. I would say even before that, even before I really started thinking about creating a business plan and an actual program, the seed got planted in my brain around just this challenge that veterans have in, in some of the issues that they have in transition through a relationship I had with an Iwo Jima survivor. So one of my duties as a recruiter in New York was to escort this VIP, this Iwo Jima veteran to a lot of different events throughout the city, these black tie events or, you know, the Marine Corps ball and you have Veterans Day stuff and, you know, all these other, you know, galas and things throughout the city. So, you know, I would pick up him and his wife, most of the time his wife would come, but at at Grand Central, I'd be in my dress blues, you know, we'd take him to these events and I ended up developing a really good relationship with him. He was on one of the first waves into Iwo Jima and he was on several other landings. So, I mean, just incredible guy. He passed away a couple of years ago. But one night, you know, he confided in me that he had post-traumatic stress when he came back from World War II. wasn't called that back then. And he said, but he was knowing what he knew at the time, you know, he was exhibiting a lot of the symptoms that are, you know, classic symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And he said his uncle came and dragged his hungover butt out of bed one morning, those were his (laughs) words, and and got him a job in, in Stanford, Connecticut. And he was sitting next to an army veteran who served in Normandy. So he was you know, the army veteran and him shared, uh, you know, similar experiences on different sides of the world. And then shortly thereafter, he met his wife and just had a wonderful life, wonderful business career. But he said, he goes, that job saved my life because it it gave me meaning and purpose again. It gave him a reason to get out of the bed in the morning. So that's when I started to realize first and foremost that, gee, you know, this transition thing's tough. Veterans are facing a lot of problems. And then just the, the school and the business plan just really helped me focus into you know, trying to figure out how do I do something that would be meaningful for the for the veteran community. I love that story. Thank you. And Andy, we talked about this before the podcast to Andy Adinison with AMBA. And I think you might have done a presentation or been a guest speaker at one of the AMBA events recently, Mike. Yep. She, she again, speaks really highly of you and says, you got to get this guy on your podcast. So that's when certainly we reached out to you. And I have to tell you, so I worked for her husband. That's how we met. So, so yeah, so Ian was... Well, he just recently retired. So Colonel Dyson was my boss at the Pentagon for, for a number of years. So okay. that's that's how I ended up meeting them. And you know, he, he he was a wonderful is he's a wonderful human being and great boss in the Marine in the on the Pentagon there and ended up having me over for dinner, me and a couple other folks that are on the team, and that's how I met his wife and that's that's how the connection was made. And then I think her daughter now is in the military. So yeah, there's a lot a lot with Andy. So she's yeah. got that military connection too. Yep. The, the name itself, of course, I didn't know who Four Block was, and that's kind of why you're on our podcast today, is to tell our audience who you are, and you've done a great job so far doing that. But there's a story behind the name, right? Four Block? Correct. So there's a story behind it. And the story is we all you know, work for a company or have served in the military where a CEO or a general will produce 
their vision document. This is, this is where we're going. This is how we're going to do business. These are our values. And they typically read like an encyclopedia, right? They're not, sometimes they're inspiring, you know, sometimes, uh, but you know, not just, so much. Just the facts. in most instances, yeah. you know, most instances it's, yeah, they you kind of read it, kind of understand it and, and whatever. So in 1999, the commandant of the Marine Corps at the time, General Krulak, did the same thing, except he did it in a short story. So he, he told a, a short story of a, of a young corporal who was leading his squad through a fictitious city. And every city block that this corporal faced represented a new type of challenge that this young corporal and, and, and his Marines would face in this new era of conflict. So the argument that he was making was that the days of divisions of tanks going across the plains of Europe and, and fighting the Russians or a, a near-peer adversary probably isn't going to happen over the next 20 to 25 years or so. And we need to be prepared to, to engage in these lower-intensity lower conflicts where our most junior folks, our most junior leaders, the corporals and sergeants, would have to make decisions that maybe gunnery sergeants or lieutenants or captains made in previous wars. So we, we have right. to train these young leaders how to react it to these very complex situations where a decision at a, at a corporal or sergeant level could actually have strategic implications to a, to a conflict. So he called it the strategic corporal leadership in the three block war. And each, you know, the one city block was you know, more traditional combat or, or fighting. The next city block was peacekeeping or like police type of work, you know, uh, security and stability type operations. And then the third one was humanitarian assistance types operations. And right. you could be doing humanitarian assistance and, and get attacked. And then it would have to quickly switch to combat operations and, and vice versa. So before deploying me personally to Afghanistan and b before you know, other units went to Iraq, it was beaten into our brains and you know, how we were training our Marines was around the three block war. We got to prepare for the three block war. We got to train our folks you know, to be successful in it. So the fourth block is that fourth and final challenge that service members have to face in order to ultimately win these wars. And that's coming back home, successfully integrating back into society, finding meaningful employment, and being able to continue to serve and be positive members of society post-military post service. So that's, that's the meaning behind four, four block. That's pretty cool. I, w I don't think I would have known that. I, don't, I think that's the first time I heard the three block term in that. I wrote them down. I know. It's, it's definitely a, a Marine Corps Army heavy concept because it, it's, it involves, you know, boots on the ground type operations. You know, so Navy, Air Force, you know, typically wouldn't, wouldn't hear about this. Yeah, I'm going to go home tonight. My husband's retired. Test him. Army, so he got his retired Army. So Tell me about the two blocks. About it yeah. You said he was artillery? Yeah, he was field artillery. It's funny you say you were in recruiting. He finished his career. That's right, the his connection last too. Six years of his twenty, we're in recruiting command. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Once you get the recruiting stink on you, it's hard to get it off. And <laughs> yeah, they kept him there. They bounced him around. They had him in Kansas City for a while, then Oklahoma City Battalion, and then he retired actually out of USARC at Fort Knox. Okay. How, how did he like yeah. Fort Sill? He well, he started there FA, but they had him back at Oklahoma City Recruiting Battalion. What what years was he uh, was he there at Fort Sill? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Come he on. retired five years you. ago, and he was in for 20. All so. right, so before my time. Math is super hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't changed much. but Yeah, yeah. I liked yeah. it. I enjoyed it there. Yeah. So 
you know, you're you're an author. I'm going to go off script too, right? So you're an author of a couple of books, right? Is that is that a skill that you acquired, or is that just you putting your thoughts on paper? That was that was literally me putting my thoughts on paper and pretending that I was speaking in front of a platoon of lance corporals. So I I wrote it like I was speaking. I was very lucky because there was Andrea Nuremberg. So I, I basically piggybacked off of her her concept of of networking for. So she had a whole contract with Pearson, a publisher, you know, the biggest publisher I think out there, to write a series of books around different demographics of people. And I got connected to her through one of our board members, Rick Miners. And Andrea said, well, you know, how would you like to co-author a, a networking for veterans or a business networking for veterans book? I said, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. So I just basically started writing the book. You know, she's like, all right, we'll get to work, you know, and I'll, I'll re- <laughs> And, you know, she, she's wonderful, a wonderful woman. And I learned a lot about networking from her and, you know, she took me through the process, learned a lot, but it was in essence waking up really early in the morning and just putting my thoughts on a piece of paper, pretending like I was talking in front of a bunch of Lance Corporals about transition and networking and, you know, how to build relationships. And ultimately that's how the, how the book was published. So putting a plug in for the books off topic with four block is that they can go to Amazon, they can go anywhere and find those books. Yeah, yeah, they're on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. You know, so if you just go anywhere, you can you can get it. Okay. Say anywhere you can buy books. Anywhere you can buy books, I think. I want to switch gears just a little bit and see if you'd share with us some about the Recovering Warrior Program at Walter Reed. Yeah, so that was something that we did when the when the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were were where we had a lot of casualties coming back from them. And so one of the one of the founding board members of Four Block, a guy named Bill Murray, so retired colonel, connected me with a, a good friend of his named Chris Facilio. And Chris was also ended up being one of the founding board members of Four Block. Chris was a the CEO of Radius Travel at the time. So he was a he served in the Navy during Vietnam and then ended, went into the business world. Was at American Airlines for a lot of years. Was a CEO of Travelocity. So he's he had really high level business experience, and then ended up becoming the CEO of this small technology company in Bethesda. And his son was a Marine who was, who was injured in Iraq. So he was obviously intimately involved in, you know, in all that. But he started to volunteer his time at Walter Reed, just mentoring, mentoring Marines and just helping them you know, with their transition. So Bill connected me and Chris. And then Chris and I, Chris ended up retiring and from his job because he was just spending more all of his time at Walter Reed, and uh, we ultimately ended up creating this program where he was there almost every day. They gave him an office. He was working with all the Marines and the sailors that were there, and uh, you know just providing that transition mentorship. And then we were, you know, helping to connect those who were ready to be connected to some of our corporate partners and some of our programs around the country. But these were, I mean, really badly injured, double, triple amputee, right. severe TBI. You know, these are folks that are a hundred plus percent disability for the rest of their lives. But what we found is, you know, there's there were some who were at the time satisfied with, I'm just gonna go back home and kind of go fishing and live my life and and whatever. And what ended up happening is over a period of time, you know, they they'd give Chris a call and say, This is I want more out of life. This isn't, you know, fishing's great for the last six months, but I need to do something. You know, so right. it just gave credence to the fact that people need purpose, you know, people need to do something with their lives. So, you know, the Walter Ray program, we don't, we don't do that anymore because thank God, I mean, it's, there, there isn't a need for it. You know, people aren't coming back at the rate that they were back then, you know, for badly injured like that. 
So, you know, thank God we don't have to do it right now, but it was, a, it was less of a program and it was more of Chris just being there every day and just talking to the Marines and the sailors and just us doing the best we can to help them any way, any way we can. And if I can share a story, I know one of the, oh, yeah. one of the questions Definitely. that you asked was, you know, if you could share a couple of stories and, you know, one of the stories yeah. is a gunnery sergeant, his name was Ralph D. Quebec. And he was, he was a double amputee above the knee. He was a explosive ordnance disposal gunnery sergeant, severe TBI. I mean, he had 80 plus surgeries. And he tells us, he's, he's another guy who would probably be wonderful for your podcast. I'm happy to, you know, and I don't want to steal his thunder on his story, but he ended up getting into sled hockey. And he, he, he said, <laughs> another new thing I learned today. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's for folks who, who are paralyzed or, or, you know, they, you literally just sit in a sled and you're hot. You have two hockey sticks, you know, one side of it is the actual, you know, hockey stick and the other side are picks and you go across the ice by, with your arms, like using these picks. And he tells a great, I mean, he's very funny about his story. And he's, he said that he, he's a, uh, a Mexican kid from LA who's never saw, you know, never seen snow. And here he <laughs> is, you know, going, uh, trying to be a, a, an Olympian in sled hockey. So, Chris was mentoring Ralph. Ralph really started to get into sled hockey and it gave him purpose. It gave him a reason to sort of do stuff, do something. And it was, as he talks about it, it was critical to his, his recovery and his therapy of just getting back into the swing of things. So Chris was, I knew Chris was mentoring Ralph. And at the same time, a good friend of mine from Marsh from, so Marsh is one of the companies from Marsh McClellan which is an insurance company. And they had been hosting classes for us at four block in New York city for years. So he gives me a call and says, Hey Mike, you know, a bunch of hockey guys have been getting together, you know, to do this hockey tournament and we're looking to raise money for an organization. And, you know, I floated your organization and, you know, what do you think? And I'm, and I, I was like, the light bulb came on. I go, well, you know, why don't we raise money for Ralph to, you know, cause he's, he wants to do this, you know, like compete. So we gave Ralph a call and he was like, absolutely. So for years, we raised money for Ralph to pursue professionally his, you know, his dream to make the Olympic team. And the first year we did it was in 2015 and he stood in front of everybody. I think we raised $30,000 and he goes, my goal is to be a, a gold medalist and, you know, I want to you know, be on the team, whatever. So last, this past year, we, we did our, I think must've been our seventh or eighth. I forget. We didn't do it the year of COVID. But we've raised, you know, eight hundred plus thousand dollars for him wow. and wow. for for many of his teammates. And he's a two time gold medalist, and he's loving life. And now he's looking to start his own not for profit and to you know coach kids with disabilities and getting them into adaptive sports. So that's just one example of a story where there's not a program on the planet that's that can help do that. You know, it's like yeah. you need to be very one on one you know, very supportive and adaptive to the needs of each one of those Marines and sailors who are coming back like that. And that, that's just one example of, you know, how we, how we help just one Marine, you really become a gold medalist. Mike, you said that's what, seven or eight years minus COVID that you've been doing sort of a fundraiser for that. And is that Correct. through yep. an event? Is it like a gala, a golf tournament, a so it's, it, it was a one-day hockey tournament of all the, of, the, tournament. Okay. of these insurance companies based out of New York in Connecticut and in New Jersey. So they get, yeah, they get 100-plus guys together, they, you know, four, five, six teams, and we have all the insurance companies sponsor. They chip in 5, 10, 15K. And last year, I think we ended up making around 150K 
And uh, half of it goes to four block to our programming, half of it goes to Ralph. Okay. So it, it, you know, we in essence have funded his, all of his training. You know, he's been able to not have to work, but with his disability and with this funding, you know, he's been able to take his team to different places and rent out the gym and rent out the, you know, the, the ice and have them practice. So it's pretty cool. You know, it's a similar field at KC Warriors Hockey. We had a guest on a few episodes ago, Mike, that does the same thing. You know, it's a release point, right? It's They need the money to have the practice arena. They need the money to help them travel the tournaments around the country. And it's your traditional hockey, but it's some are former hockey players that grew up playing hockey that are now retired from the military or there's a disability or there's a, there's a way that people can have that purpose like you talked about earlier, that they, they follow that passion and they participate in a team sport. And it has saved lives. And I, I think you talk about that same concept where sled hockey is another another way of, of allowing people to find their passion and find their groove. Yeah. I think it's that I hear that a lot from a lot of different organizations that try to help the military community in whatever way they're they're driven to do that. But it's about purpose, it's about paying it forward. People are in this for all the right reasons. Oh yeah. And you know, so with the with the with strong easy warriors it was it was purpose, but it was also camaraderie because it was actually the team. The veterans yeah. play. Right. And so you, you get out and you're kind of on an island and you miss the camaraderie. That's a way to bring folks together. To have and it's branches of service battling against branches yeah. of service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. May, may the best yeah. branch so win. Yeah, you know that got yeah. rowdy, right? Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of organizations out there, Mike, that, that work on career transitioning. I think we can go back to our days at Armed Forces Bank when we were a founding member of Military Spouse Employment Partnership. We recently signed a pays agreement with the Department of Army, certainly hiring our heroes. There, there are a plethora of organizations out there that are doing all good work. And so when we talk about, well, what's the difference? What is, what's four block versus the rest of them? And certainly you, you've shared with us that there's a niche for what you're doing and a specialization to what you're doing. But how do you sell? What's your 30-second elevator speech about what the differentiation is or the competitive advantages for four block. Sure, sure. So I, I agree. There's a ton of organizations out there that are doing really great work. And someone said to me one time that the, it's an ecosystem, you know, that there's, right. it's an ecosystem of all these organizations out there that are providing, you know, all these services. And there is no right, right one or wrong one. I mean, it, you know, there's 250 or 200,000, you know, I forget, I don't know what it is today, you know, veterans that are transitioning every single year, there isn't one organization that's going to be the end-all be-all for right. all 200,000. And I think there's more than enough veterans out there for, for people to serve. And everyone's got a different, different challenge coming out. Everyone's got a different situation. You know? So I think it's a good thing to have that, that, that ecosystem or you know, someone else already told me this, it's a constellation of services, which, is, which I think is great. So for us, we are more high-touch than, than most organizations. So we provide over 30 hours of, of classroom and networking opportunities and one-on-one -on -one work with, with each one of our veterans. So to go back a second and just describe what our program is, I didn't, I didn't really get into that earlier, but it's basically a semester-long course. So it's 10 to 11 weeks, depending on where you are. Every week, we take a group of veterans, anywhere from 20 to 40 in a class, and we take them to a different company every week. So... For instance, on a Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m., we'll take them to company ABC. Okay. The next week, Wednesday night at, from 6 to 8 p.m., we take them to company you know, DEF, right? So it, they get a wide range of you know, 10 to 11 different companies from different industries, 
really expose them to a lot of the different opportunities in, in companies that are out there. We have a curriculum that we take them through. The curriculum really has two sides to it. it uh, the first side is, what do I want to do next with my life? What am I, what's my new purpose going to be? What are my strengths and weaknesses? You know, what's this next chapter look like for me and my family? And then we have more of the technical competencies of a career search. So it's, it's, you get into more of the hard skills of resume writing, your 30-second pitch, how do you network, how do you interview well, you know, what's your first 90 days look like at a company, what are you supposed to focus on, so things like that. But the most important thing about our program is it's about relationship building. So there's nothing more powerful than a former corporal, infantryman or whoever, to stand in front of a group of veterans and say, 10 years ago, I was just like you. I was a knuckle-dragging corporal. You know, and now look at me. I'm the senior vice president of sales at or product development or whatever at ABC company. And for those who are transitioning to see that and to say, wow, that guy was just like me or that woman was just like me 10 years ago. And look where they are now. Like, I can I can do that. And and he's explaining to me a pathway. But the most important thing is the relationship building. It's connecting em- employers and hiring managers with the veterans so that they could sit kneecap to kneecap, build a relationship with one another. And, and, and utilize that relationship to make better hiring decisions, but also for veterans to make better choices as to what careers they want to pursue. And what we have found in our data over the last number of years is that 84% of the veterans who go through our program are staying at their first post-military job for wow. more than a year. So, and it makes sense when you think about it. I mean, what we're doing is basically, it's an onboarding program. You know, we're shopping them around, they get to, you know, shop around themselves. And by the end of that that 10 or 11 weeks, they have a much better idea of what they want to do with their, with their post-military career. And they have a, a pretty good size business network that they can call upon and utilize to get connections to people who can get them the opportunities that they're, they're looking for. Yeah. You know, whether it's deciding where you want to go to school, right, a university, whether it's about where you want to work, what fraternity, what sorority, it's all about the networking. It's who you know. And, you know, thinking of, speaking of LinkedIn, you're at 9,264 followers on LinkedIn. Not, you probably knew that, right? You probably know every one of them from personally. Not but, <laughs> but, Mike, I crossed a milestone last night at 600, so I was pretty happy with 600. But, <laughs> but you're getting close like to five digits. It is a chart. It's, it's, it's a chart on your fridge. It's the charitable giving chart. You just fill up the thermometer after a while. LinkedIn. But that's great. You're networking. I'm sure that's part of the wisdom you share with transitioning military too, is to build that network and see see things firsthand or have conversations with people and build yeah. those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really the priority of the program. And you know, as an example, we teach a resume class and you know, through the program they'll get feedback on their resume. They'll they'll get someone from corporate America to give them some feedback or whatever. But you know, we tell them our resume class, you can go online and get any resume class you want and ours will be about the same. But the best person to give you feedback on your resume is going to be someone who's working at the company that you're applying to. Yeah. You know, they're going to give you that really specific feedback on how the language needs to be, how you need to set up your resume, you know, better than any one of us could, could, could tell you. So that's, that sets the tone with them of just, you know, we'll give you that baseline of the content in the curriculum, but there's nothing that's going to beat you being able to build a relationship with someone at the company that you want to work for and help, having them help you navigate getting in there. Well said. And I think probably your advice would be unique for them, though, in the fact that you can help them translate military experience to something civilians can understand, too. 
Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. A, that can be a struggle. To know what skills are applicable at yeah. what level and what job description, job title. Yeah, yeah. It does it does transfer for sure. I want to talk about the the companies that you engage with. You know, we've got a few here that we'd mentioned, but it's an impressive list. Big companies, you know, it's Boeing, it's Comcast, NBC Universal, ADP, Delta, whole bunch of them. What are what are the steps that companies that are here in this podcast or maybe they've run across you in another in another venue before? How do they contact you, reach out, get engaged, say, I, I want to be a part of this. I want, I want you to bring transitioning veterans to our organization and have us be part of that experience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, then go to fourblock.org, F-O-U-R-B-L-O-C-K.org is our website. My email, mabrams at fourblock.org. They can reach out anytime. We have a very, very small team. So uh, you know, reaching out to me is in, in, or any one of our team members, in the, you know, some of their contact information is on our website too. And I don't know if you have show notes or whatever, but I'm happy to you know pass any of that information if you want to put it in there. But just reach out. I mean, the, the, what we what we typically do is we try to have them host a class for us in, in one of our locations or, or one of our virtual programs. And what that means is, as I was mentioning earlier, on a Wednesday night from six to eight p.m., they would in essence host one of the cohorts, one of the classes of twenty to forty veterans in one of our locations, and it could be in person at you know, one of our larger programs in New York or DC or Atlanta, San Diego or whatever, San Antonio, or it could be a virtual one that we just do on Zoom. And we would, we want them to be as involved in the program and in that class as possible. So depending on what week it is, every week we have a different curriculum topic and we would encourage them. And we have lesson plans and we've got it all written out and everything. So we would one, work with the company if they wanted to have someone or a group of, of their employees teach the class. We work with them on that. Some don't. Some want us to sort of take the lead. If it's a resume writing class, for example, we would want that company to bring down 20 employees or 25 employees and actually work with the veterans in the class to give, you know, review their resumes and actually give them feedback. So we want them to be as hands-on as possible and involved in the curriculum as much as possible. But then we also give them an opportunity to advocate for their company and talk about you know, their business model, who they are, their culture, their values their career opportunities, how do you apply? Typically, they will bring in a senior person or they'll bring in other veteran employees who will talk about their path from the military to that company. And then we open it up for just general questions or networking. You know, Typically, there's a half hour or so where students can mingle and, and talk with the, the employees at the company. And then we give them all, you know, the we let them know who's really interested. And they have access to not just the the 20 or the 30 or the 40 who are in that particular class, but all the veterans that we have nationally for that entire year. So we'll work with about a thousand, you know, this upcoming school year of, of both veterans and spouses, and we'll do our best to help ensure that that thousand across the country understand the opportunities at that particular company, and then also link them with that company for, and they can hire as many as they want. We're not a placement firm. We're not a headhunter. You know, we don't get paid based on who gets hired or, or, right. or anything like that. It's, it's, it's more about helping the veterans understand what they want and creating a pathway for them to whatever it is that they want to pursue. Yep. That's important. I mean, just watching people go through that, that personal connection. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, that's how you're going to get the connection, get the job, get the offer, whatever it is that you're trying to get after versus just cold calling people blindly sending resumes. Two quick stories. And yeah, I, I was in Seattle. We were going to one of our, this is a couple of years ago, visiting one of our 
companies for a class. And there was this one particular lieutenant. He was an Intel guy. Didn't re- didn't want to go. He's like, I'm not interested at all working this company. Not interested. And I'm like, well, just just show up. You might you might end up being interested. And at the end of the two hours, he had this grin from ear to ear on. <laughs> and he goes, I got an interview next week. This is awesome. This is exactly what I want. I love the culture. I'm so excited. I'm so glad I came. You know, so that's just one anecdotal story. Rewind. Wait, just, what, what, what are we talking yeah. about? Well, you've got people have got misconceptions and yeah. they've got preconceived notions of who these companies are and, and what they do. And there, it's very natural for someone to be like, ah, I'm not interested at all. But what folks don't realize is companies nowadays have like everything. Yeah. They, if, they, if it's technology, if it's security, if it's marketing, if it's, you know, product development. I mean, anything you really want is at most of these companies. So what we tell a lot of our folks is focus on the culture. You know, you didn't join the military because you wanted to do one specific job. Maybe, maybe you did. But typically you joined because you were interested in a branch of service or you wanted to serve and then you kind of figured out from there. It's the same thing with a company, you know. Find a team that you really enjoy and that a culture that you can fit in and thrive in, and then you'll figure out exactly what you what you do throughout your throughout your career path. That's a challenge I think every company today faces is the cultural element of that and the retention of people and telling their story and, and with social media and all these different outlets out there, people are getting preconceived notions. And until you kick the tires, have boots on the ground to get in there and, and figure out what that company is and what makes them tick, it's, it's tough to make those calls because you're getting inundated with information, true or false, about what's out there. So, yeah, I think you're right about the Seattle story is, is that company is, is going out there and just meeting with people and seeing it yeah. firsthand. So you've got, a, you've got a podcast out there, and I've, I've got Podcast Envy that... <laughs> <laughs> so and you're doing it with a probably a civilian counterpart, and I, her name's Lindsay Pollock, right? Yep. And you, she goes, she has her perspective. You, are, you have your perspective, and I'm sure you married that up so that there is a equal balance and fair coverage of both sides of the story. And so, is is there a plug you want to put in for your podcast too? Is it where people can go? I'm sure the same platforms we have ours, but they can find out more through your podcast. What's it called? Yeah, absolutely. What's it called? So it's just a, the four block podcast. So not not very creative, but you, you uh, stay you stay up all night thinking about though, that. Because didn't you? now we, I know. we know where four block came from. So it is. True, that's it right. is creative. Right. I use that everywhere too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's on everything. You know, all the platforms that you, that your podcast is probably on. So you can also go to our website to to learn more about it. But yeah, we basically we just interview uh, a lot of our alumni who are in these careers. So it's really just another way to communicate to veterans in transition, just the different opportunities and the different pathways and that, that are out there. And, you know, to talk about some veterans that are doing great things in the corporate world and you know, where they came from, from a military standpoint. Speaking of alum, I'm going to throw a name out at you, Mike, see if you know his name. It's the same last name as Jody, right? So Ben Vickery. Oh, <laughs> I know Ben. No relation. No relation. We wanted to clear no that. Relations. We wanted to clear that up on, the, on air. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Ben. Yeah. But he, he's... Yeah, we're going way back. He's an associate instructor back about seven, eight years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, I know Ben. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, how do you know? Well, how do you know Ben? Because I'm a stalker. He's, yeah. Because I, I, I looked at, in doing my preparation with you, Mike, it, there's, there's some people that have wonderful things about their time working at Four Block or for Four Block or in a role of education. And he stood out as one of his comments and the pride he took in working for you guys. So... Oh, great. Yeah, it was awesome to see that. Plus, he has an awesome, oh, very cool. great last name. Plus, he has a great last name, McLean. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long lost brother. <laughs> so getting in, we talked a little bit about your website, poorblock.org, right? WWW. And is there any other, I mean, people can get involved with your organization from a corporate perspective. They can donate money. They can support your fundraising events that are out there. They, you know, Victoria's legacy, right? And just opportunities galore out there, or just, or trying to be an instructor to help you across the country. But any other, any other ways to get involved other than what I just threw out there? You named most of them. There's another way to, to get involved and it's through our, our career coaching program. Okay. So that how, how that got started was we had a lot of our alumni who were coming back to our classes and just hanging out and just wanting to continue to be involved and to just be there for veterans in, in that are transitioning. So we said, well, let's try to put these folks to work. So we created this career coaching program where as a veteran goes through our program, they get connected to a corporate executive or corporate person from one of our partner companies or an alumni who's been through our program. And they have like these weekly check-ins with them to make sure that we're, that they're on the path to success throughout their transition. And, you know, we've sort of mapped it out where every week or every two weeks, they've got some very specific questions to ask them about how they're doing and, you know, whether or not they need some additional help. And it, it, it is really just a first line of defense for us. You know, if someone needs some extra help, it's the coach is typically the first person to say, hey, hey, this guy, Mike is, you know, not you know, he needs a little bit of additional support, you know, in his transition. It just gives us another avenue to intervene and, and to make sure that someone is successful in their transition. But if anyone's interested in that, they can go to our website too. And, you know, we're always looking for some additional coaches to, to participate. At that 84% number, it keeps ringing in my head about that, that percentage of people that actually stay with their employer. And that's, that's a testament to how you make it easier for them. And you provide the support they need to make that success. Well, thank you. And I, I know you shared a little bit at the beginning of the podcast about your background. And, of course, I shared your profile. But, I, you know, you serve, obviously, in the Marine Corps. You're in the Marine Corps Reserve. How did that service really shape your skills personally to cause you to be equipped and ready to do this as you transitioned? And, you know, I think it's obvious you're passionate about it. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you've, you've made that transition from what you did in leadership positions and, and transition that now really and serving, to, to, yeah. leading, to leading and yeah. serving veterans? Great question. I would say, I mean, just what we ask young men and women in the military to do nowadays, and I'm sure, you know, folks in previous wars, it's, it's the same thing. We ask so much of them. I mean, at, a, at a, such a young age, I mean, you're, you're in charge of folks, you're making life or death decisions, you're in a faraway land. So, I mean, the, just grow, you grow up quick. Mm-hmm. And you learn, you know, feedback is 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 also pretty quick, <laughs> and uh, it has to be. And uh, you sort of you experience, and you become very practical, in my opinion, you know, of just in just life. You, you become a little bit more humbled. You get a little bit more grounded. You grow up quick, but there's also just this pra- practicality that you I think you experience being in the military at a very young age that serves you incredibly well when you get back home and you, you know, start thinking about careers and starting a company, because those same things that, I mean, in essence, four block, I mean, it, it was an entrepreneurial endeavor. I mean, it was just something that, you know, I kind of thought of, but sort of the same things that went into, you know, just being a good leader, you know, a good young leader, you know, those same things went into just trying to start a company and, 
you know, learning to fail fast and, you know, trying to listen as much as you can from people who are experienced and making decisions quick. You know, I think all those things, you know, really, really played into it. But I will tell you, I mean, and I tell this story to a lot of the students that go through the program, you know, I thought I had a chip on my shoulder coming out too. I mean, I was a young captain, Afghanistan veteran. I mean, I was like, who wouldn't want to hire me? You know, I mean, I was thinking about going onto Wall Street and making millions of dollars and being a big shot. And I remember this, this Vietnam veteran said to me at breakfast one day, he's like, he's like, do you have any business experience? I'm like, no, no <laughs> who needs it? military, but <laughs> I, I got it. He's like, what's your degree? Like, did you get a degree in anything like that? I'm like, no. He's like, I don't think many people are going to want to hire you. Like, you're not as marketable as you really think you are. And it was really like a kick in the gut. And I'm like, man, this, this guy may be right. And that's what sparked me to go to business school. I was like, I need something. Like, I'm not going to. And I started interviewing around that time, too. And I started to realize, like, man, these people aren't really interested in me. <laughs> so it wasn't like I made every decision right. I mean, I had some good people that really, you know, uh, gave me some tough Tough love and, you know, some difficult medicine to take, but I'm glad they did. Self-confidence matters. Sure. It does, it does. He, he had it's that. funny to hear him talk about the, the skills that you bring forward from the military. Yeah. Because I think, and that's why I love having veterans here working for us in the way that we do, because they can sometimes sort of cut to the chase through the corporate and say, yes, that's there. Yeah. <laughs> you have to hear him tell stories about things that he's experienced post-service and different careers that he's he's had where, you know, you hear the normal corporate stuff, which is perfectly normal. And that's how every day is to me. But to see him kind of cut through that to the make quick decisions, be oh, yeah. decisive. Be a chameleon too. Yeah. 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 Well, I will tell you, I mean, as a, uh, you know, in the military, I mean, when you're the guy in charge, you're a lieutenant or you're a platoon sergeant or whatever, like you're the one who has to make sometimes these difficult, have these difficult conversations with people. And you, yeah. you learn a lot, you know, from, from having to make those decisions or have to, you know, have to have those conversations. And I remember we had an issue very early on with our organization where we had to let someone go. You know, they were, we had to, we had to fire this person. And I had to, and I went to the, one of our board members and I said, you know, and they knew for months, you know, this was occurring, like this is probably the path that we were going to have to take and all this stuff. So finally it was like, we, ha we have to do it now. And I, and I said to him, I go, when would you like to you know, join me for the conversation to do this? And he was like, He's like, join you for the conversation. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's your job. You know, like, I'm not joining you for the conversation. And I just, it just clicked really early on. And it just resonated with me just from my experience in military that as a leader of the organization, I am the one that has to make those difficult conversations. Yeah. And no one else is going to do it but me. And that has been a, a theme where when things aren't going the way that they're supposed to go, or someone's not doing something they need to do, or if we have to cut something like, there's no question, you know, I have to be the one to do it, you right. know, and I have to be the one to nip it in the butt. And I think that has, that attitude definitely came from the military side, but I think it has served us well in, in, in most cases. We have to have a witness here during our terminations. <laughs> he, he, just, he just pulls the trigger, right? And he just goes well, This was a while yeah. ago. This is probably yeah. 10 years ago. So maybe. <laughs> things, things have changed you know, a little bit. They'll change, change tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, Mike, it's been it's been a treat getting has to know you awesome. a little bit yeah. today, and to hear about Four Block and the story behind Four Block. I don't know if there's anything else that that you share with our audience before we wrap it up. We are going to ask you to stay for just a second. We have a little, a quick little game to play. Okay. Yes. 
Sure, sure. I will say one thing, though, is we are thinking about expansion to Kansas City. So we, we may have to give you a call. Please do. Maybe you all can host our first class out there. Yes. I made a note about that earlier. If that's the case, you've come to Kansas City. Thank you, Andy Adinison, for making the connection because yes, I, I yes. think it'll absolutely it'll go Let us a long know way. When you're here, and we'll go for barbecue. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yes. You, you, so you've been to Kansas City, right? I've driven through it. I've never experienced it. <laughs> so it's a flyover state and a drive-through state. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like but a I would love Jason to. Aldean I song. Love yeah. So this time you have to stop <laughs> for barbecue. So we are going to close it out, and if you'll bear with us, we would do want to play our military minute. We're not going to put you on the spot unless you want to be put on the spot. Let's see if you can answer the first question. <laughs> this one he must, he'll know it. Yeah, he'll, so he'll know it. Last week, we had a guest on. And so without going into the whole love story, somehow there is a connection to alpacas. <laughs> I'm not going to explain I that. I had to look up alpacas before. But the question before. was, what defense mechanism do alpacas employ when they're threatened or feel the need to assert dominance within the herd? I, I don't even know what an elk. What's a, I don't even know what he said. <laughs> I, had to Google, like I a, Google it too. It's like a, it's an angry lamb or something. Llama, not a lamb. Oh, angry llama. Oh, it's a llama. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind of like a it's llama. a llama with an well, attitude. Angry lamb. Angry lamb. <laughs> <Mary> had a <laughs> little llama. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. You know, yeah. it's like children's books with llama llama. Yes, llama llama red pajamas. Red red pajamas. Yeah, yeah. yeah with two L's. So regardless, the answer, hopefully somebody, somebody in our... was the question? Yeah, ask yeah. So what does, they, what does an alpaca do when it's threatened or it needs to assert dominance in the herd? Alpha. What's alpaca. its reaction? What's its reaction? I don't know. I mean, does it... I don't know. I was, I was, first thing that came to mind was like, it spits at Yes! yes. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Okay. Yeah, so hopefully somebody in our audience do that too. And so if you did, <laughs> then you would answer. I'm so excited. I know. I mean, um, I feel like an alpaca today, I know. Too. We've all yeah. learned something today. It's, it's going to be a good afternoon, I'm sure. So if you answered that correctly, watch for your name to hit our social media, and you could be the winner of $50 for you and $50 to a charity of your choice. Could be the Four Block Foundation. Could be the Four Block Foundation, yes. So this week's Military Minute. Now, you can't answer this one, Mike. Okay, so. Okay, I won't answer but Even but, if you know it. Yeah, but nod your head if you know the answer to it, okay? Because okay. nobody can see you. Yes. So, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, we can. So this week's Military Minute is a trivia question about the Marine Corps. So fewer than 100 people have received the title of Honorary Marine, a title that can only be bestowed by the Commandant of the Marine Corps. We want our audience to name one famous recipient of this coveted award. Seeing if Mike's nodding. There's kind of a reaction to it. He could probably Google yeah. it too. Well, he could yeah. totally nod and not know the answer. And we would, right. We yeah, that's true. Can't say, right. So, yeah, if you're in our audience and you think you know one of those famous people, make sure when we drop this podcast that you enter your best guess and you also could be eligible next time to win $50 for yourself and $50 for a charity of your choice. It's exciting. And it's good. There's like more than one right answer. So. Yeah. We, we probably kept him longer than we thought we, we would, but I could probably talk to the guy for another 55 minutes and 56 seconds. However, if you enjoyed today's episode <laughs> with Mike, go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to rate us or leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify and YouTube, which are probably very similar podcast platforms for Mike and his yeah. podcast, too. So go to his website, learn more about it, see how you can get involved, and... Thank excited you about here. meeting him yeah no oh, thank you jody thank you tom it was a pleasure my honor well done let's do it again soon all right definitely thank you see you mike bye-bye
Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.